good. Up next is uh, one of my favorite poppy songs. Poppy helping through the apocalypse. And this is how to apply your mask. Place the elastic bands around your ears like so. <laughs> Pinch just above the nose for a snug fit. <laughs> to go show off your new mask. You look great. <laughs> There's a whole thing where it's like kids react to and they bring Poppy on to the set of the YouTube show and it's really funny. Hi, I'm Poppy. Today I'll be showing you how to do a red lip. These are
are the products you'll be using. Mix red lip liner. <laughs> or Marcia red lip gloss. This is my favorite lip gloss because of how pigmented it is. character because she hardly ever breaks character she's so committed to Come the on. character we see. the good old days <laughs> how often how often are you making videos poppy look at yeah it's a cat i like to make videos every not the best memory well unless it's a good floppy disk yeah but but a hard drive is permanent it's a brick people like that lyric it's nice yeah, yeah. did 12. That was a question for Poppy, Zach. Sorry. <laughs> the answer is 12. I feel it like... Is. You're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> you know... I beat you. <laughs> They're helping me make this album. What's yes. your relationship with Diplo? He's very nice to me. Are you working with him on the album? He helped me make my album. Oh. Wow. I like Dan. I like Poppy. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. What's your full name? Poppy. Right Do you have here. a last name? Poppy. Have Poppy, you, Poppy, Poppy. Have you, did I just tell you what sex was for the first time? In Poppy's existence? Yes. I should Can give you. Can you describe? I mean, Reagan. more detailed version of birds <laughs> and the bees is, you know. Yes. And does that Reagan. make you happy? In the room. Oh, sorry. It makes me very happy. <laughs> so you're. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Will you send out a tweet, because I'm already on, but I've been watching music videos, so can you tweet just something just saying, hey, come listen to us banter? Wait, where where would they listen to us? On, on Twitter. If they go to my Twitter, they should be able to see us. Okay. Although, let me try to make it to where we can see me, too. Um... Oh, there we go. I need to get more light over here, but I'm not even going to... Well, I'm... you have to understand that I have a whole setup. As as a middle-aged woman, I spent a long time getting my lighting just right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have, like, I, I, I have it drilled in to my workspace, my lighting. Because I have to, you know, I have to teach online now. Right. Okay, so I'm going to say, hey, y'all. Now, y'all is a very Texas thing to say. And I say that as a Texan. How long were you waiting? <laughs> it was literally just a second. The okay, okay, because I was really jamming out. Uh, do you know who Poppy is? Who? Poppy. She's a musician, but she's, you would really like her because she is, um, she's super into fashion. She She's part of the, like, social media generation of pop stars, but she has an edge. She does a mix of pop music and heavy metal. 
She's very interesting. You should check her out. Her music is legitimately good. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. But she does a lot of, she plays a character, basically. It's very performance art. And and, um, you should just check her out. Do a deep dive on her one day on YouTube. Because her entire story is fascinating. Let me find a photo. (laughs) Something suitably gay. (laughs) Do a dick pic. Uh, that's the gayest. The yes. gayest thing that could possibly be done is a dick pic. So the first thing that I, I'm going to bookend this and bookend is the appropriate metaphor with um, just letting people know about your book, which is Supreme Models, Iconic Black Women Who, Rev- Who Revolutionized Fashion, which has five stars and 161 ratings <laughs> on Amazon. And it's a beautiful book i mean i'm i'm so impressed by it it's a beautiful coffee table book and certainly fills a hole in the market so bravo to you i mean that is i remember seeing you're one of the very few people from big brother who um i consider a friend and who i keep current on you know i have a very small group of people on facebook and uh, so i was fortunate enough to see the book going through different stages of development and it's just um it's so i'm so excited for you well you wrote you wrote a book too so you know what it takes to sort of write a book the whole process that you go through as a writer and then the process you go through is separate from writing the book that's getting the book published which is also crazy and then after the book is published the press and 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 trying to just keep it in the public eye and keep it out there so it's been a really interesting, you know, it took me eight years. It wasn't like something that just happened overnight. It took um, eight years from the time I came up with the concept and I started doing the interviews with the models that are in the book. It took a really long time to get it done. And it was at a couple of different publishers and then they passed on it. And then um, and, and I was always sort of treating it like it was an also ran. So when I was like working and doing a show, I would put it down. When I would be as a stylist, I would put it down. And so it was only when I sort of stopped those, when I stopped working and I hit this wall creatively in every other realm that I picked the book up and really gave it the reverence and attention it deserved. Well, it seems like such like a culmination of your life work, you know, like it's more than eight years really because you are so embedded in the fashion community and, it's, and your commentary, and so it, it's just, it's, um, it's exciting. It's exciting. And it is, it, um, even though I'm telling the life story of, and it's interesting that you and I are coming together and we're gonna talk about um, being gay on a television show, and we're gonna talk about being a person of color on a television show. So in essence, being a, a minority on a television show, this book is is that. It's about being a minority in fashion. And it's actually about my life in a way, even though I'm telling the stories of the lives of others. Oh, of it's- course, because a sense of identification and seeing yourself in media when there weren't always images that you could relate to. And wow, that's that's really profound because one of the reasons why I wanted to do, we scheduled this last minute, by the way. Like I sent 
Marcellus a text message probably like an hour and a half ago. And I was like, hey, I have this idea. I really want to talk about Kevin um, because I want to give people perspective about what it's like to play a game when the odds are stacked against you. And when you were when you were just describing your book, even though fashion isn't a game like Big Brother, there's a game within the game, right? There's the media game of Big Brother and how you get cast on the show and and how you become a fan favorite and stuff. So there are parallels between those two worlds. I'm sure that if you ask um, black models if they feel like the stack is rigged against them, <laughs> they would certainly say yes. Oh, absolutely. It is... Um... So the thing that's really interesting about the book is it is about my life and fashion, as it were. And, you know, I started my career as a model. But before that, my first job was in retail selling women's clothing. So I've always been in fashion in some way. And, and so all of the steps that I took forward, all of the places where I found acceptance first in my life had to do with fashion. I was the little black kid that was like bullied and beat up when I was, because I was the gay kid. Mm -hmm. Then it wasn't until I got my first job in retail that people began to, um, that I saw a world outside of the South side of Chicago and outside of the, uh, outside of the um, black narrative, mm -hmm. which is very anti-gay, right? So I grew up thinking that um, I was bad because I was gay. I grew up being told that, told that, you know, you go to church and that's the first thing it seemed like we always circle back around to even if they were talking about um, the uh, you know um, the end of days even like no matter what they were talking about it seemed like they would always circle back to and in conclusion it's horrible to be gay yeah. <laughs> and then you have little kids that look like you that are your familiars that are black and they're you know terrorizing you you know because you're gay because you're separate the very people that should love you and support you and exalt you are also people that are like that are beating you up and 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 telling you and calling you awful names and 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 and, and terrorizing you, and I don't think we talk enough about that as a society about the effects of of bullying on oh. children. Well, well, and something that you said that really struck a chord with me is I look back to middle school and there was a guy named Mike Corley who I knew from the skating rink. And we both ended up at the same middle school. And I dealt with so much, because I grew up in Texas, and I dealt with, so, and I was so obviously gay. I mean, look, my hair's in pigtails and braids right now. I mean, you can imagine. I, I was even more hardcore gender bending at that age. And Mike Corley, who is gay as well, and is gay now, he um, he was one of my biggest bullies. You know, he, he, he neither of us admitted to being gay at the time and so when you were talking it it reminds me of how some of the most homophobic viewers of big brother are other gay men who will then say well no as a gay person i hate this gay person too and like i just did a blog about um some of the homophobic stuff that enzo said about me that I didn't even know about until after I left the show, like say, saying that I was shoving a wine bottle up my butt 
when I was being ostracized my last week in the house because, you know, everybody kind of isolates you when you're the one going out the door, right? No, but it's like you have the plague. And um, so, like, another gay person chimed in on Twitter and was like, well, as a gay man, I find that hilarious. And, and I'm just thinking, oh, boy, you know, it's such a juvenile mentality to you might not find it so funny if you are the only gay person in that house and you're in a game that's rigged against you. And but before we get too deep into all of this, I, I do want to do a little bit more um, setting up of what we're going to talk about. And yes. um, so. I don't know when the last time you have seen a season of Big Brother. I watched um, I watched seasons two through uh, 11. Then I was on 12. I watched 13. The summer going into season 14, I had a huge argument online with Dick Donato that, wow. re that really did a number on me. And I said, I can't do it. I, I can't watch season 14 because it was so bad for my own mental health i had to i had to take a break then i jumped back in season 15 and then everything that went down with the racism and the homophobia was such a turnoff and really more so than what was happening in the house production's initial response to not have a response it was only when fans of the show made a big point of it and started circulating petitions and releasing videos of the live feed that they forced production into a corner and that made it a storyline. And then I haven't watched it since season 15 and I'm not watching the season either. Um, what, out of curiosity, when is the last time you watched most of a season of Big Brother? Honestly, I stopped watching after All Stars. It was like um, All Stars was a palate cleanser for me. You know, I had all these issues from season three that I was still dealing with. And then I was out here in Hollywood and I was dealing with a lot of stuff like in my life that was the direct, that was a direct, um, um, that was direct actions because I had done Big Brother, right? And then I also got into this thing with the producers of Big Brother after All Stars, where um, it was me against them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They actively tried to sabotage my career. They actively did things to stop me from working, to stop me from getting auditions, to stop me from becoming successful, to stop me from feeding myself and helping support my family. Well, when we both did the show, our contracts included a non-compete. So we were not allowed, and when I say we, the two of us, al along with everybody prior to maybe season 14 or something, we weren't allowed to do um, other media-related stuff. Like CBS owned us in that right. We had to wait a period of time. And then the, I think, California Supreme Court ruled that that non-compete clause was not constitutional. It wasn't consistent with the California Constitution, which is why you see Big Brother contestants on shows like The Challenge and other reality shows now. Okay, so you know that's funny because I had this conversation the other night with Lisa Donahue, who run who won my who won my season, right? And um, yes, back then you were supposed to sort of run everything through Big Brother and ask the producers if you could do something because that was in your contract. 
But I had sort of come into the business. They scouted me and they found me, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I came into the business having been a somewhat successful model. So I had people in my corner that were very savvy about contracts and what was enforceable and what wasn't enforceable. So there was one time very early on that I asked them um, if I could do something and they told me no. And I was like, well, what are you going to replace that with? If you tell me, no, I can't do something and I'm not going to make $10,000, $20,000 off of this commercial, what are you going to do to, you know, to make up for that loss of income? And it was crickets. And from that, from that moment on, I stopped asking them about anything because I've always been, been from the school that, you, that it's easier to apologize after mm -hmm than it is to ask and be told no and do something. So I never asked them to do anything. But when I talk about producer tampering, I'm literally talking about taking meetings with people and then those people doing their due diligence and, find, and, and vetting me after and finding out that the producers had told them that I was difficult yeah. or, or he doesn't, he, he's not nice. Like shit like that, yeah. which was completely untrue. You know, that was character assassination. That's like, um, that's like, you know, you could sue. And then I had actually had conversations about suing them. And that made the, that made it more adversarial. And then let's talk, let me talk about that a little bit. When you, there's also this thing that if you don't tell the line with them, they punish you. But if you don't tell the line with the show, the fan, the fans publish you, the fans, the fans punish you. Yeah. You're not absolutely 100% happy and you're not absolutely 100% like a cheerleader for who they think you should be a cheerleader for, then all of a sudden they hate you. So if you're in the house having a problem with somebody who's popular that the fans like, all of a sudden they hate you because you hate their fan favorite. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, I used to think that Big Brother had some of like the scariest, most rabid fans, which they did for time period but now it's definitely the real housewives and so if if you go against lisa vanderpump or you know one of like the favorite housewives you better have thick skin but this i don't think i've ever told you this story and i probably didn't because i knew it would um you would have just rolled your eyes and not been <laughs> happy with it but it, it does because i um our relationship is a little bit different because I saw you on Big Brother before I was on Big Brother. I saw you compete on two seasons and I had seen you around at um, different places in West Hollywood. So I remember, I, I am, um, I love Janelle. Like I just, I loved watching her on season six and on season seven. She is catnip for gay male viewers of that show. And so I remember being out at Here Bar or Here Lounge, whatever it used to be called, and seeing you very soon after your eviction from Big Brother All-Stars. And I wanted to go up to you and say, I'm a fan of the show and I don't mean this in a, like, in a mean way, but why did, what was the fallout that you had with Janelle, like, I don't understand your perspective, why you turned against her. And I decided against it. And I'm so glad that I decided against it because it was like, I'm sure the very last question in the world that you would want to hear, um, especially at that point. And, uh, and 
to kind of spin off to an, another point, I was at Here Lounge after my eviction, and I remember somebody throwing, like, pegging me in the head with ice. What? Yeah. Well, because I'm sure there were people who were Team Reagan, there were t- people who were Team Rachel, and Rachel, like Janelle, is kind of catnip for gay men. And um, I'm sure that I, if I were a viewer of season 12, I would have just been like, oh my God, Rachel's so hilarious. And so living with her was a little bit different. And I say this as somebody who now considers to be Rachel a frown, you know, like I I like her. Um, So I say this to you because I think I have a deeper appreciation for what happened to you on All Stars. And and the reason why it's important to bring this up is because, so I'm not watching All Stars, and um, I think it's common for players of Big Brother, whenever a new season begins, to go through a certain level of post-traumatic stress. Yes. And, and the, the fans get excited, the shit-talking starts, um, and, and I don't begrudge anybody of any of that because it's part of the fun of the show. You make an investment in the characters in the program, right? So I get it. But for my own mental health, I have to kind of distance myself from it. And um, But this year was particularly difficult because with it being all-stars, everything was so electric. You know, but who's going to be on the cast and who's going to do this and do that? And, and plus, it was the 10-year anniversary of Big Brother 12. And so there, it just seemed like a lot was going on. So I've tried to have my commentary. I was not happy that Enzo... Um, was cast on the season. And just so you know, I wrote a blog about this. And one of the things that I point out in the blog is now with All-Stars 2, contestants from Big Brother have been brought back now a total of 40 times to Big Brother. Up until All-Stars 2, Marsalis is the only gay person to be brought back. Now with Kevin, two of the 40 times house guests have been brought back, have been gay people. Two out of 40. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is I want to point out that five of the most demonstrably homophobic people on the show, and when I say demonstrably homophobic, I mean things that they have said that are undeniably homophobic include Evil Dick, who um, claimed that gay guys in West Hollywood have HIV, and were knowingly infecting each other, taunted Dustin with homophobic insults like princess and what's wrong with your mouth, missing something in it. And this is all stuff that I took from people um, on the feeds who were typing word for word, and it's all cited. So this isn't conjecture, it's on my website. Jeff, who delivered this idiotic rant about Dumbledore, a fictional character being gay in the Harry Potter books, and said, Dumbledore in a school with little kids, you don't want to make that guy gay. Then Kalia came out and said, who's a woman of color, um, hey, my little sister's gay. And Jeff screams, I don't give a fuck if your little sister is gay. CBS took all of that footage, removed it, from YouTube, you know, in an effort to protect him. Um, Rachel, who I believe is not homophobic, I don't believe that's in her heart, but who said some unfortunate things. And we said awful things to one another, but 
to her credit and to my credit, we both sat down and talked about it and cried about it and have mended fences. But if you ask me, do I really, do I think that Jeff and Dick have a problem with gay people? Yeah, I think they have a problem with gay people. Do I think Rachel and her heart has a problem with gay people? No, I don't. Um, next, Cody, that guy who also married somebody from uh, Big Brother, said in relation to trans people, do you really think I could give a shit that 0.0001% of the population is fucking trannies? I don't give a fuck. I promise you they're not expecting me to really fucking sympathize with their psychological cause. And now Enzo, who talked about me um, shoving wine bottles up my butt, is gay. So the reason why I point out these five people is because these are five undeniably like homophobic instances, you know, like they're, whether you think it's funny or not, or in their heart or not, it's demonstrably homophobic. Between these five people, they have been brought back by CBS 14, no, sorry, 15 times now to either compete on Big Brother multiple times, to get on CBS's other shows, um, like uh, The Amazing Race, so just between The Amazing Race and Big Brother, they've brought, been brought back 15 times. Now let's go back to what I was saying, that Big Brother house guests who are gay have been brought back a total of two out of 40 times just on Big Brother. And I think what this data demonstrates is that there is systemic homophobia that happens on and off the set among producers, regardless of if it's their intention. And what happens with when you're a gay person on Big Brother, overwhelmingly, you're the only gay person that season. You're not ever allowed to be potentially a part of a showmance, which is the bread and butter of that show. It's the dominant storyline of every season. You are narratively constructed to be an obstacle that the straight, typically white showmance has to overcome and then if somebody in the showmance doesn't win, they're repeatedly brought back until they do win. Until they win. Until they win. And so this is all just context to get to Kevin. So I was on Twitter yesterday and somebody posted the, um, the and I'm going to just cut to it really quickly, the Joker's Live updates that has the house guests ranked from favorite to least favorite. And I saw that Kevin was least favorite. And then I went and I typed in Kevin's name into the forum and it's just kind of like everything that you predict that people on uh, Joker's Update say almost every single season about the gay person, regardless of if it's their intent to single the gay person out. Things like, oh, I was rooting for Kevin until he displayed how miserable he is. Uh, Kevin is like that redheaded stepchild that neither side wants. Um, people laughing at Janelle saying, I'd rather self-evict than work with Kevin. Um, you know, it just you get the idea. And, and it, it bothered me because both of us know Kevin. Right. <laughs> and Kevin is... A unicorn. He is sweetness and light and kindness and wonder and wonderful. And for people to talk about him that don't know him, that never met him, that aren't interacting with him 
in the in the course of a game is disgusting to talk about him in that way. For anybody to talk about any member of a minority and make their race or their sexuality a point of your discussion is disgusting. So let's call it what it is. It's racism and it's homophobia. And that has plagued Big Brother since the beginning of the game. It's part of the game. Because if you think about Big Brother, it's simply a microcosm for what goes on in the United States. 100%. And, and, and to speak to that point, a lot of racism and homophobia aren't um, explicitly racist or homophobic. Like a lot of the comments that I saw on that forum, it's not meant, it doesn't mention anything about Kevin's race or his sexuality, but sometimes that stuff is a part of an implicit bias. And what, what I was thinking, because um, Kevin was on the block the first week, which really takes a psychological toll on a person, and uh, just being on the block, period, the, the refrain seems to be that Kevin is just miserable, that he's a sad sack in the house and that he's sad. And I was thinking, well, number one, he's on the block, but they're like, but he's not on the block anymore and he's still being miserable. But it's difficult to um, to express, to find the words to say how isolating it can be to be the only gay person in the house, let alone a gay person of color in the house, where the odds are stacked against you in so many ways, because most of the men that are brought back to the show or on the show to begin with are alpha male type characters and I guess that he and Janelle are not getting along and so they don't like one another so and again I say this as somebody who really um, as a viewer of the show I enjoy Janelle so this isn't like my default to be like Ugh, Janelle I'm not going to say anything bad about Janelle because I like her but I will say objectively and any fan of the show knows this that the show is rigged in favor of certain players who are super popular because they right. want to keep those players on the show. I'd like right. Jeff being just handed that power for, for no reason. He didn't win a competition when he overthrew Shima's um, head of household. He got that power for being handsome and, um, and, and funny and a fan favorite. And that's it, right? And so when I say that it's isolating being in that house as a gay person. He's not just a gay person in the house. He's a gay person in the house who's not getting along with somebody who production um, has a vested interest in keeping in the game. So if you are not actively working to promote Janelle, production isn't going to do anything to help you out. Production will not only do anything to help you out, production will work against you. Period. End of story. Um, I don't, this is very difficult for me because I don't talk about Big Brother anymore. I completely avoid it. I haven't, I've been asked over the years so many times to, to do interviews about it. Um, I've been asked so many times to come back. And so as I sit here and I, and you give me those stats, I go, well, maybe if I had come back when they asked me to come back, because even when I was in these adversarial moments with them, um, on a business level and on a moral level, they had come to me and asked me to come back and do a, do a, a season or do an appearance. And 
And I just didn't want to personally open myself back up to that level of hate and that level of scrutiny from those fans. You know what I mean? I didn't want to, um, there are fans that love you and love the game and see it at, see it for what it is. But then there's like a substratum of fans that don't understand the difference between this is a reality show and, and, and your responses to the stimuli are being elicited yeah. because you're competing for money, because you're being deprived of, of, of outlets, you know? So you say things in the moment that you wouldn't say outside of the game or actually that you don't even really mean because you're frustrated, but that is what the producers are, gear, are, are pushing you towards. That's what they want, right? And, um, and I wanna be very clear about something. I played season three and got lost in playing for other people, right? I wasn't playing for myself because I didn't necessarily, I'd never watched the game before. I didn't come from that game show world. I trusted people on their face because I came from fashion and modeling and living all over the world. And you meet people and you trust people and you become friends and, and you see people for what they, I guess, are, but not what they're lying or what they're sort of pretending to be. So I made decisions in the house that were, that were better for other players than they actually were for me. You know what I mean? I loved who I loved and I protected them. And unfortunately, the people that I loved and protected were the people that actually got rid of me. So it would have been smarter for me to, to keep the people that I hated, yeah. to keep people that, were, that I didn't vibe with. Because when it turns out to be the people that I like actually like felt I had a real connection with were the people that destroyed me, that was really hurtful. And I still carry that distrust and that pain with me to this day of like new friends, you know, that, that saying no new friends. Yeah. I believe that. And I believe that because I appeared on big brother three. Now let's talk about all stars. I go on all stars and I'm like, I'm not going to play this game for anybody else, but myself, I'm not going to care about these people and love them the way that I loved people during season three, because that got me evicted. But then I find out when I come off of the show that if I'm not playing the game for the fan favorite, then all of a sudden that makes me an evil person. And for somebody like me, who actually feels like they were bullied and forced to do All-Stars because I didn't want to do All-Stars. They kept coming to me. Robin Cass kept coming to me and the producers kept coming to me. And it just felt like, and I was like, why would I want to redo something that was so hurtful yeah. in the, the first time? And then it was also, I had been working, I had been doing E! and I had been doing all these other television shows that I didn't need to go back and do Big Brother. I didn't need to go back in. I was trying to fix the harm that having done a reality show actually had had wreaked on my life and my career. Yeah. So to go back was like a step backwards. So then to go back and then, like you said, be the only black person in the house. And you put me, well, I was the only black person. There was, there was Danielle, but Danielle was my enemy. She yeah. was the person. I had engineered my that um, she was the person that I trusted the most during Big Brother three. And she was the person that engineered my fate, you know. And so you put me in the house against my greatest enemy in the game. You don't put another gay person in the game and you don't put another person like me in the game, you know, that I can trust because that's human. Human beings group together with their kind. That's what we're streets today with the protest. White people group with white people. Black people group with black people. Yeah, or what you're interested in. I mean, my season, the, the dominant alliance was um, called the Brigade. And you had, that was um, 
the final two my season, one was a baseball player from ASU and the other was a football player from Texas Tech. And so where do I, I, I we're not going to have any type of day one connection. Inter- they're not even interested in you. You know what I mean? That was. Right. Well, I will say at at the beginning, right? Because Lane, who was the runner-up my season, who's the uh, who was the Texas Tech football player, is seriously one of my favorite people. I just think he's hilarious. We're kind of like an odd couple where you might not see one of us, you know, as being friends. But when you're first coming into the house and trying to form those connections, they're not there. They're not there. Exactly. I mean- Say, um, I always say, especially with Big Brother 3, look at the optics of Big Brother 3. The first person you nominate is the black gay guy. The moment that I'm out of earshot of the majority of the house guests, a white male, a white straight male house guest starts the narrative that, oh, he's negative. Oh, he's, oh, he doesn't want to be here. Oh, he's unhappy. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And even though that on its surface isn't implicitly implicitly racist, it plays on the underlying theory of of the underlying um, stereotypes of the of the house guests, people that are hearing that. And it also goes, wow, okay, great. I won't be the first person to go. I'm going to jump on that bandwagon and I'm going to tell that same lie that this person is negative or they don't want to be here or you use those stereotypes. It it is. It's a stereotype that like the angry black black man. I remember when I was doing research for my book, um, I there was there's a section in one of the chapters where I talk about Kwame on on, MTV's The Real World and who I believe he's now one of the Fab Five on um, what's that show? Karamo. He's the, one of the Karamo. Karamo. That's right. Um, I knew his name started with a K. But how uh, Karamo? I think he was on the Boston season. It doesn't really matter. But a- immediately, his white male house guests were rhetorically framing him as this like angry black guy and like some of the direct quotations were um i don't know if it's because karamo's black or if he's gay but he really has a chip on his shoulder and you know and stuff like that and we were talking about the difference between overt racism right and more um like microaggressions or things that typically fly under the radar like like somebody could say Pointing out that somebody is angry is not racist, but when it plays into certain tropes and stereotypes, it is. Types. It was like, like I love, okay, so I go into Big Brother 3 and I'm just me. And yes, immediately I didn't like Josh because Josh had bad energy, right? Josh is like caustic and he's playing the game too too. He had dark hair, right? And I actually didn't like him before we went into the house because you're standing out in the house and the producers are talking to you and they're like, be quiet and be calm. Josh was like moving around and jostling around and talking and trying to talk to us. And we weren't supposed to talk before we went into the house. And I was the, I'm the kind of person that follows the rules. So I was like, dude, calm, stop talking to me. Calm down. Yeah. Like he was strong that it was like, oh, fuck, we're in the car. We're in the house with that person. You know what I mean? <laughs> And he knew that I didn't like him. 
And so, of course, he plays into as soon as I'm out of earshot, he plays into all those things that he hopes, those microaggressions, those stereotypes that would plant those seeds in everybody else's ear that are already there. Even if they're not saying them, they're already thinking them. Yeah. You know, the moment they're trying to find out if I'm gay or what is it going to be like to live with a gay person or is that gay, does that gay person have a disease or if you're a straight boy, is that gay person going to hit on me? Which was a lot different in 2003 than it was, than it is now, right? I mean, we've come a long way. I think that 2003 may have been the same year or even prior to the Supreme Court striking down the sodomy ruling in Lawrence v. Texas. So sodomy was still illegal then. I don't think that we've come that far. I think if you look at what's happening now with the pandemic and the protests in the streets, we haven't come that far. It's like 1965, then it's 2015, we're out in the streets. Then it's 2018, and now it's 2020. As a black person, we don't feel like we've come that far. Certainly. Talking about it more. And we're just at the point now where we're absolutely positively tired of it, and we're actually going to call you out on it more than we ever have before uh, to this point, maybe. of the internet we have access that we can talk that we can show these microaggressions oh, yeah. and these downright racist acts for what they are and then we can actually have a forum now which we can express it and we're calling people out for the behaviors that they've always engaged in yeah and, and, now and, and this is part of because people in the house are not existing in the vacuum of the house exclusively so just to give some perspective for this, everybody who went into the Big Brother house, and Kevin lives in Southern California, I believe that um, he and his partner live in San Diego. Yes. And, and so California has really, by and large, taken the lockdown seriously compared to some other states. So before they went into probably like a two week sequester in a hotel room where you're never allowed to leave the room where all of your meals are brought to you, where you can do nothing but watch DVDs. You can't watch live TV. You can't call anybody that you know or love. He goes into the house and all of the Black Lives Matter stuff is still kind of like in the ether. All of this stuff has a psychological toll on somebody when they go into the house. And so to, and California has um, been the site of some of the most significant protest for Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter, sorry. And um, I just, and I know that I echo your sentiment as well. Um, One of the reasons why we're having this discussion today is to just, provide a little bit more perspective, to give a little bit more context, and to hopefully um, intervene on some of the negativity that is surrounding Kevin right now. Because what's if he is not as chipper as he was on his initial season, and again, I don't know because I haven't seen it, all I can tell you is who Kevin is as a person, and Kevin is an amazing human being who is probably dealing with a lot on his mind right now. Something about All-Stars, I really don't fuck with All-Stars. I really don't talk about it. I was suffering from depression when I did All-Stars. 
And 20 hours of the day, out of the day, I literally slept. I laid on that sofa in the red room, in my bathrobe, and I literally slept. And it took every single piece of my being not to break into tears. And I would go into the diary room and I would say, guys, I'm not doing well, I need to leave. I didn't wanna do this in the first place, I need to go. This was a mistake. And then they would say, oh no, you're fine, you're doing good, you're playing the game so well. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, nobody even talks to me. When I try to talk strategy with anybody, it goes over their, it goes over their heads and I feel like I'm the town crier talking about the oncoming an, an oncoming plague because nobody's interested in what I say. That's exactly no- how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. I- and so, and then be, even beyond that, I kept asking to talk to Dr. Zachary, who was the psychiatrist in the house, because I had never in my life felt like that before. Yeah. I- I never felt so desolate. I had never felt so isolated. I had never felt so alone. I had never felt so hopeless. And they would not let me talk to Dr. Zachary. Wow. Vested interest in not allowing me to talk to Dr. Zachary in case she were to make me feel better. Or, but here I come to understand why they didn't want me to talk to Dr. Zachary. If I had talked to Dr. Zachary and Dr. Zachary had actually diagnosed me, she would have had an ethical mm. reason to pull me out of the game. Yeah. To actually say, if he's not dealing with the game, if he's not dealing with the game re- the right way, if he's not feeling well, if this is fucking with his mentality, with him mentally, then it's then he should actually go. Yeah. And Zachary actually, after talking to me, when they finally let me talk to her, which I think was actually the last week I was in the house. Dr. Zachary was like, she actually said, Marcellus, I think you're suffering from depression and I think you might've been depressed before you came into the house. Yeah. And it was the first time in my entire adult life that I had been, that I had been, um, that I had had that diagnosed. I had even thought about that because I had never felt like that up to that point. Yeah. And the producers don't care about that, Yeah. right? I remember when I got out of the house and went to the um, the cast party, and I wasn't even gonna go to the cast party. I was so angry about how All-Stars had played out. And one of the producers came up to me and he was like, what happened to you in the house? You were so different than Marcellus from season three. Oh, I hate that. It's like, bitch, I'm a grown man. I'm Of course I'm different from season three. I'm, I've gone through more things. Right. And I- dealing with different stimuli and a different group of people during All-Stars than I was during season three. You know, season three, even though we were like playing the game, it was very, it was a very theatrical class, um, a theatrical cast. And we liked each other and we like sort of talked to each other. All-Stars was just like, we didn't like each other. And what's wrong with not liking somebody that you're competing against yeah. for me? I don't just don't get along with right that happens in life but we're not forced to live with those people make me a bad person if I don't like the people I'm playing with right and unfortunately during all-stars I didn't like anybody I was having a really bad time and that and my not liking anybody played into how I played the game because literally pointless for me to be there yeah you know what it felt like a complete waste of time. Um, so, some things that you said that struck a chord with me. Uh, number one, um, 
I I was diagnosed with um, anxiety, uh, like a, a pretty significant anxiety problem a few years after I did Big Brother. I've taken, I've been on an SSRI since. I take Lexapro now, like the maximum dosage that you can get. Um, and one of the things that I was known for uh, was the second month of the game, I started crying a lot. The first month I was okay, but the second month I was crying a lot. And, and this is, I think, going to speak to, you know, before when I was talking about, you come into that house with baggage and things that are going on in your mind that may not have anything to do with the game that affect your personality in the game and cut people a little bit of slack. So my father died in 2004 after living with Alzheimer's for 10 years. I did the show in 2010. What's very common when somebody you love dearly, like a parent dies, is you compartmentalize, right? You think, I don't want to think about this. I'm going to bury myself in work. I can't. And you think you have worked through it, and what, but you haven't. And so what Big Brother did for me was for, um, and I'm glad I went through this experience because it, well, what it did for me was it forced me to sit down for weeks and weeks and weeks with nothing to do. And the first little worm of a thought that crawled into my ear was, I really wish my dad, I'm, gonna, I'm getting a little emotional, even thinking about it now. It's okay. My father um, was the product of two Russian immigrants who came to the United States in 2009, or sorry, 1919. Um, and he was born in 1920 and he grew up in abject poverty. And so there were times where we would be going live and I would just think, um, it would mean so much to my father to see me right now, you know, like he would be, it would just really warm his heart. And so the more I started thinking about that, it forced me to really think about the magnitude of losing my father. So when I would sit down alone and cry, I wasn't crying because I was in an argument with Brendan and Rachel or Matt did something to make me sad or you know anything like that. That was the, the narrative that the fans and the viewers constructed for me. Like I, I remember in their Survivor Sucks form, it was like, oh, he's in love with Matt and, that's, and he's crying because of this. And no, I was thinking about my father almost non-stop in that game and in my eviction speech and homophobic there for oh, them to 100 percent what the fuck why do you have to be in love with matt and therefore you're like why are we supposed to be mooning over somebody well, because it, it, it's a way to make sense of my tears right i wasn't too the only time that i was really explicit about um how how much i missed my father was my eviction speech and i i I kind of did an abbreviated version of what I just shared with you that, you know, my father came from nothing and he would have, this would have meant so much for him. And so the reason why I bring this up is because um, that baggage that I brought with me into the house really affected my interactions in the house. It affected the way that it, my, my comportment in the house or my in-house behavior and, you know, stuff like that. Like it was the cause be, behind so much of my crying on that show. And I went into the show knowing that 
big brother gays cry a lot on the show. And I remember doing the interview with um, the guy from TV Guide, and I was like, I am not going to be a bunkie. I'm not going to go in and cry. And and so as I was crying, I knew that I was becoming ensnared in some of the very same stereotypes that I, I was actively working to resist. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, okay, so I had never watched Big Brother and I never watched reality television when they found me. But the way that the the thing that was so crazy for me was I had just broken up with the love of my life, right? I had just really sort of been in love for the first time and I had um I had given up a lot for that love. I'll put it like that. Mm-hmm. First person that I bought around my family. The first gay wow, person. Wow, that's significant. Um, and introduced to them. So it was really when they knew I was gay, but it was really me coming out. I gave up my career really um, um, to do, to be with him. You know, my career suffered because I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go fly to Miami for a week and, and play model. And I didn't want to go to Europe like I should have. And I didn't want to go, I didn't want to be away from him longer than a day. And then he ended up cheating on me with the white guy that was on the real world Chicago. So it was this perfect storm who was also a model. So it was this perfect storm for me of, of, um, of not feeling good enough and losing something to a white person uh. asked to do a tough, didn't be an asked to do a reality show when I'd lost my fiance to a guy that was on a reality show. Oh yeah ball all these things together and pushed me into doing this show I didn't understand and so the whole time that I was on Big Brother I was in this suspended I was fighting the pain of of having my heart broken but then I was also placed in this space of when you're the bullied kid or you're the gay guy or you're the black guy and you're used to being the only one you have to come into every situation and you're like da 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 Prove to everybody around you <laughs> that you're kind, that you're easy, that you're breezy, that you that don't hate me because of because of my skin. Don't hate me because of my sexuality. I'm a real person. Yeah. So I also had to do that song and dance to get these people to like me. And so when I was nominated for eviction the first week, it just felt like fuck. It was just like yeah. such a I'm um, like just such a mind fucking was so like disheartening and it was about race and it was about homosexuality and I'm thankful every day to the house guest Jerry who actually called the rest of the house guests out because it, it couldn't be me the black gay guy that right. was like you guys are doing this because I'm black and I'm gay it had to be that white ally that actually stood up there and said it you know what I mean well actually- I had to tell you my jaw dropped when I found out that Kevin was like the first person nominated this season. I was like, and by a white straight guy, I just thought- They the, don't care the, the optics of that. They don't care. It's very easy to throw that person up there. And to me, that's actually the, to me, that's bad gameplay, right? So the object of Big Brother is to take somebody to the end that you can win, that you can win against, that you can be, right? That's the object of the game. You should take somebody to the end that you're going to win against. So if you know that you live in the United States and you know people don't like black people and you know that people don't like gay people, take the gay black guy to the end. Yeah. Because if 
sitting on a, if you're sitting on a a, a panel, uh, if you're sitting there at the end and the and the and the house guests that are left are all white, and they have these these racist these racist or homophobic ideas that even if they don't actively say that they do, that plays into how they're going to vote. So if any negative, that's the thing about being black and that's the thing about being gay on a reality show. Anything that you do, good or bad, is magnified a thousand oh, times. Totally. And in, in a way that it's not when a, a, like a white straight person does it. Like you never get, the white straight person never gets called a good representative of their community as if they have to represent their entire community. Please speak on that. The white gay person gets to be their own person, but the black person, the Latino person, the gay person is a representative, a representative of yeah. their entity. Yeah. So we're in there knowing that, yeah. and we take all that stuff with us, and it and it it plays into everything. I remember Danielle season three had an argument with a house guest, and when she walked up to me, the first thing she said was, "Oh my God, I was the angry black woman." And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, you were. I remember, you talk about crying. They were, the producers were like, are you gonna cry like Bunky? And I was like, I'm not emotional, I'm not a crier. Even though I had just had my heart ripped out by a guy yeah. that cheated, like he moved my life to New York to be with him. And so when I look back at Big Brother 3, I'm like, why are you crying all the time? But you were in pain and I had bought all that history with me. Yeah. And you cry on that show, it's literally not about what you're being presented with. It's out of frustration and it's out of pain from who you are. And, if, and, and you and you can't talk to, you can't, any conversation that you have with somebody about it, you don't know if it is a genuine conversation. In order, in other words, when you're sad, when I, you know, I've been in lockdown for now, I think 153 days. And I have, most of my days are really great. And, um, but I have days where I feel very isolated and as we all do, and we call somebody that we know loves us. Like I call my mom and I'm able to talk to her and I get out of the conversation and I'm like, okay, I feel better. You know, I, I can go on another week of this or that, that's giving me the strength. You don't have any of that in the Big Brother house. And in fact, you have an entire very sophisticated production team that is, as you were saying, actively working to push certain buttons from you. When I, um, when I went into the jury house and Matt, it was this whole reveal that Matt was lying. He said his wife had some type of illness and Matt was my best friend on the show and it, it continues to be one of my best friends now. You know, Big Brother has given me a lot of gifts in the way of friendships and, and other things. So it's not like, I'm sure for both of us, it's not like Big Brother is this exclusively awful thing, right? Um, but, but um so he came out about his lie to me and this this field producer named Jessica was not happy with the response that I gave to what he told me because I just kind of sat there shell-shocked um, and, and didn't have anything to say. I kind of went into a, um, like my turtle shell, right? Because Matt is somebody who I cared a lot about and I just found that out that a big portion of his history was a complete fabrication and so she said they cut the cameras and she said can you just give us a more reagan response we need a more reagan response and that she got the reagan response but not me in response to matt 
I gave, I went off on her. I was like, do not dare tell me how to be myself. Do you realize? And I mean, I went off on her. Everybody was just kind of like, what is going on right now? But, and the field producers are not nearly as savvy as the people who you talk to in the diary room who you have certain people i'm certain who are assigned to you because they know how to finesse you and they know how to get certain things they know what to say to you Uh, and when i say that the game is rigged in favor of some people and not others the brigade my season which was the dominant alliance matt told me that the brigade would go into the diary room and the producers would tell them stuff like and this is hearsay from what Matt told me, that in Texas, they have um, fast food chains that are selling brigade burgers and they're doing this and they're doing that. Um, and um, the, the reason why I knew that fans didn't like Rachel is because of stuff that the diary room would feed to me, which then had an impact on my relationship with Rachel because Rachel and I were actually very good friends in the first week of the game so when somebody i was close with put her up and she started blaming in part me when i truly had nothing to do with the decision i was like oh okay you want to go down this road let's go down this road you want to pick a fight with me because i knew that she wasn't in the fan favor but that's just examples of the subtle ways that they work people in the house and you know by the questions that are asked to you, who's in favor in the house, who the fans like, and who the fans do not. So when you're in a position like Kevin's, from week one, to feel like you are on the outs, that you have nobody to talk to, that you're the pariah, like the person in uh, Jokers was making light of, that you're the redheaded stepchild, and that neither side of the house wants to work with you, and then complain that the person is acting miserably. They, <laughs> they are a product. Because Kevin, and this is our point, Kevin is not a miserable person. But if you plant somebody in a miserable situation where they, they feel like they cannot work. To behave like they are miserable. Right. End of story. You, uh, like, I don't, I'm not going to... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just to cut you off. We are not easy. We are not pushovers. We do not have many... We're not the type of Big Brother house guests who are like, here are all of my friends from the Big Brother world. I think that we are very guarded with who we like and do not like in the community. I don't fuck with Big Brother people. I just don't. Let's just say that. There's maybe 10 people that I actually interact with. Because what also what I what I learned after the show was that certain house guests only are only want to interact with you to get something out of you. Yeah, the game doesn't stop once you. Right. So they're still playing the game. So whether it be to start a feud with you and fight with you, because that's going to bring more eyes to their Twitter or their whatever they happen to be doing, they're doing that or they want to see what you're doing and how you got that and they want you to make an introduction. Well, how were you on E? How did you work for Extra? How did you book that television show? Can you help me with that? And it's like, no, I don't even know you. 
but why don't you get an agent? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, so, it, it's so it's like, it's, they're not even real sort of, first of all, they're not real friendships anyway, because you're not friends with the people that you end up in the house with because you're there under certain, certain, certain circumstances. Right. There's a, right? So you're competing for money. So the, the, the relationships that you create within that bubble to me are not real. They're, they're manufactured by the situation and the stress and they're manufactured by production. Now they can be real once you leave the house, but that's when you know. Be real. Yeah. So so my, my, my 10, let me go ahead and list my, 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 my and I probably isn't even 10. Shima, who I was friends with before she did the show because I got Shima on the show. Right. James from season six. Um, and we've, James and I have gone through it. I loved him after season six. I, I was okay with him on All Stars. After All Stars, I wasn't okay with him. So we've gone through these ebbs and valleys of like friendship. Erica from All Stars, I was friends with when she was on season four, you know, after she got off of season yeah. four. So I met her before she got on the show. Um, Lisa, of course, from Big Brother, from Big Brother 3, who won. Um, but that was because we went through that crucible yeah. of big, just like you and Rachel, where if you go through that crucible, if you go through that crazy situation and you come out, you actually, the only people you can talk to that understand are somebody that you went through right. with. So for me, Lisa was that person. Lisa was that person that after season three, I could actually go to and I could be like, oh my fucking God, this person said that, or this happened, or da 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 da. Yeah always be my ride or die. Kiara from my season. I mean, that like, basically that's it. Like, and you, and I met you after the show. And I think the only reason that, can you really, do you really understand the only reason that you and I are sort of friends is because we had our gayness in common. You know what I mean? When you walked up to me and you were like, oh, I did Big Brother and I was the gay guy. And literally I, I connected with you right away. Cause well, I no, was like- we, we met through friends. I was like, what? It, we met through the Perry twins and, um, and yeah, so we had mutual friends, but that's an organic way to become a friend with somebody. That is an organic way to meet, but I'm saying the only reason that you and I are friends is because, granted it is because I met you through my friends, through the Perry twins. Yeah. But normally if I had met you as a big brother contestant and I found out that you were a big brother contestant, I would have not fucked with you. Yeah. And then that would have been enough for me to leave you alone. I get that. I'm the same way. I'm the same way with. Right. Knowing that we had that commonality of experience and that commonality of like and, and that we were like part of the same tribe. It allowed me to go, oh, you did Big Brother. Normally I would run in the other direction. But because you're gay, I'm going to actually stand here and I'm going to vibe with you and I'm going to feel you out and I'm going to see like who you are as a person. Right. And was like knowing, learning who you are as a person that I was like, oh, okay, this guy is cool. This guy is um, is smart. This guy has a conscience. This guy is smart. I can fuck with this. And then it was you that actually sort of brought me around Lydia and brought me around Kevin. Yeah, and who are both. And you know, it's funny because when I watched their season of Big Brother, I wasn't a huge fan of Lydia, but she is so sweet. She is such a doll, and I just, um, and when I say I wasn't a fan, I wasn't a hater either, but 
ironically, like most viewers, I love Jeff and Jordan from that season. You know, wow. and because that, uh, and for many of the reasons that Shima has pointed out, right, that it's a lot easier to be jovial and to have a good attitude and to crack jokes and be fun when everything is working in your favor. Yes, but when you're on the outside looking in, all you are is frustrated. Yeah. And then frustrated and you show that you're frustrated all of a sudden the producers are punishing you and then you find out that the fans are punishing you yeah it was like like it was like during all-stars was i supposed to just go in there and play for the season sixers or play for mike boogie and will and not care about whether i won the game the answer is yes that that's the game within the game you know there there are certain things that you have to do in order to play productions game there's the game of big brother and if you go in thinking that you're just playing Big Brother and that there's integrity to that game exclusively, you're wrong. You need but. to be, you need to be like the the savviest two savviest people my season, um, and the two people who truly won Big Brother. Even though Hayden won Big Brother and rightfully so, he was a great player of the of the game. Right. But the people who played Productions game were Rachel. She knew exactly what show she was on. And, and she has deserved every single opportunity that has come her way after that because she really put herself out there. And Brittany from my season, who was smart enough to say, okay, when I go into the diary room, I am going to have funny stuff to say. And she's just a naturally funny person. But like going back to the original point, the original point is that, um, that we have um, a very small group of people that we uh, we can see there's not bullshit with this person and that they're an authentic three-dimensional person and kevin campbell is easily one of those people and um it, it, i think we both would have done a disservice to him had we not come together today and spoken both to his character and what a wonderful kind generous person he is and um also to some of the dynamics that are certainly affecting his behavior in the house i have been asked for years years to, to, to by publications by networks to talk about big brother every time they do a reality clip show it's like oh let's talk about big brother or come in and tell us your experiences and in order to get the producers of big brother to leave me alone I've stopped talking about it. I've stopped telling my truth, right? It's like this uneasy truce we have, right? The only reason I'm here today speaking the words Big Brother and talking about it because it was the biggest mistake of my life and it is the most painful thing that has ever happened to me is because I know how Kevin feels and I know how you felt and I know firsthand what he's going to deal with he's dealing with now and what he's going to deal with after the show and to be honest i didn't i don't even know who the cast is right i heard that janelle was on it but past that i don't even know who else is on the show that's how inoculated i am from the show yeah but when i found out that kevin was doing the show i literally was like why would you do that i why? had i had mixed in fire and that level of hate yeah, I, I had mixed feelings about it because I, um, you know, 
it's impossible for me, even though I know the psychological, the emotional toll that doing that show has had on me. I definitely felt FOMO. Like, um, I was like, oh, I want to do it again, even though I know this is horrible for me. But I was happy when I heard that it was going to be Kevin because I felt like Kevin should have won his season. And because I was excited that um, if a gay person was brought back, that it was a gay person of color. And um, and I just like him. If it was going to be any other gay person other than me, I wanted it to be Kevin. And, yeah. um, and so that's why... Um, it's it was it was heartbreaking seeing what the fan response is to to Kevin right now and why I felt compelled and let me say this as we wrap up that both of both Marsalis and I are having this conversation knowing that there are people who are going to take the things that we have said out of context knowing that we have walked across this fire before and how painful it is to um to get blowback from fans but it's hard it's hard it really does take a psychological toll that just cannot be um it, it can't be properly described through words there's just no way but um i think that we both believe so much in um in who Kevin is as a person that it was a no-brainer and, and the fact that we're we're willing to brave that fire on any scale again um, is a testament to his character and um, me, somebody I, had to say it absolutely absolutely when you texted me it was like Kevin Absolutely. I'll talk. I'll, I'll, I'll tell my stories and I'll defend him till the end of time because outside of the game, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this about everybody. Basically, you have to judge people. You, you cannot judge people, period. You have to let them do the game, let the game play out and you have to leave them alone after the game and let them live their lives because you don't know who they are, how they played that game isn't who they are as a real person. Kevin is an angel that walks among us. <laughs> Seriously, he's the nicest guy. He would treat everybody with kindness and respect. And it breaks my heart that he's going through what he's going through that you and I both know firsthand. Yeah, because look at what, what any other um, Big Brother house guest, so many people are Team Kevin. I want Kevin to win. They were so excited to hear that he got cast. That really tells you something about who Kevin is. And um, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope that, and, and I'm certain there's going to be a faction of people who are like, screw both of those guys, you know, <laughs> and they'll, they'll turn things around and, you know, make, make us bad guys or bad people. I'm sure there are already people saying I hate Reagan's hair um, in some message thread right now. Karen, here's the thing, the Karens and the Kens never want to talk about race and they never want to talk yeah. about homophobia. So if you bring it up, you're bad. Yeah. So let the chips fall where they may, whatever. But I, I'm positive that for that faction of people that what we're saying right now will offer some much needed perspective on, on Kevin, on the game, on how production works. And to me, that that is worth it. Yes. Oh my God, it's so worth it. First of all, it was worth it to talk to you because I love you. Oh, I love you too.
it's worth it to talk about Kevin because we love Kevin too. And it's worth it to put this out there. It plays against that negative narrative that we always have to deal with as, 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 as minorities in this world, the black thing and the gay thing. So let's just put it out there and let's just talk about it. And it, it, it hopefully it'll change some minds. I, I hope so. I think it will. I really think it will. Um, Cause I don't think that, um, we're coming from a, a bad place or, or an attacking place. It's not even the, even the stuff that we've said about production. I don't look at the people in production um, who even I was angry with at the time and have any hate in my heart for it. They're making a TV show and they're doing what they think is right for the TV show. And, right. so, and I get that. And even the fans who become too invested and have said awful things about you or me, you know, like I, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> But I could see where some people, I watch the housewives and I get super into the housewives. I mean, I don't go on their Twitter and send them death threats or anything like that. But, you know, I know what it's like to get wound up in a show and to become emotionally invested in a show. So um, it's really not from a hateful place that we're operating. It's just kind of like this is it is what it is. But it, but here is what it is. The good, the bad and the ugly. And we just gave you what you wanted. You wanted something to talk about. You always, you're very curious about what we do when we're not on the show and who we are, blah, blah, blah. We just gave you the content you came here for. You know what I mean? I mean, that backdrop alone is worth the price of admission. That is, I mean, <laughs> gorgeous. Are those all jackets and then shirts and... Shirts. I've got like racks and racks of clothes, but these are my like these are my spring summer uh, uh, things. And now I have to move from summer to early fall, even though it's hot as Hades here in LA. It is. The past two days have been very miserable. I know. I love that you're fanning yourself with a mirror. That is so amazing. It's like I imagine it was it uh, like narcissists. Like I'm so hot. Let me get my mirror and fan myself. In front of my beautiful clothes. <laughs> what? They're going to hate on that. So hate on me, hater. Do <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we got an opportunity to talk. And I'm sure that we'll have more conversations just between the two of us um, as the fall progresses. And because we're in lockdown doing nothing. So. <laughs> I adore you. Again, and I, I love adore you. you. Thank you so much. And thanks for everybody who tuned in and will be tuning in. And um, again, I just want to um, show you, oops, Marsalis's book, which you should definitely check out. I mean, this is, hold on. I want to just do a look inside really fast. It's going to take a bit because. Um, Sorry, I'll just sit here with it. Okay. <laughs> because, because I'm running OBS. I'm on a 2013 iMac and um, I really need to upgrade. But I mean, look at this. This is really beautiful. Wow, this is, this picture right before the title page is just gorgeous. That picture is incredible. The one with all the models. Oh, uh, the well, models. I mean, wow. This is a really, really gorgeous book. It took eight years. It's the culmination of my entire life. It's uh, the book is about diversity and inclusion. Um, it's about being the black kid that needs to see beautiful images of black people because mm. that gives us a space to dream. If we see other people do it, then we believe that we can. And uh, you know, for all the 
the all the things that we've said good and bad about Big Brother, the best part of Big Brother for me was all the gay guys and all the gay kids that came to me after, and it still happens to this day. And they're like, you were the first gay person I saw on television. Mm. You, first, you were the first black gay person I saw on television. I watched the show with my mother and my father or my family or my grandmother, and, that's, and I came out to them because they loved you. And so even though it's harder for us as gay people to play the game and to get to the end, it's still worth it because diversity and inclusion and representation matters. It and we'll, does. Yes, you it, know what? I mean? it, it really does. I mean, it, it, we look, we both grow, grew up um, not seeing positive gay characters on on TV shows. I mean, the gay character was always like the, the criminal or um, by or gay, crazy or crazy or um, and it really wasn't until uh, Pedro from real world and, and even that was kind of like the narrative of you you're gay, you contract HIV and you die, which which fed into that mythology that was so rampant during the 1980s. And so um, it's important to. I've always been very adamant when there is a gay person, especially on a reality show, of of showing them support. And sometimes I do it even when they're um, they're not kind. But yes. this is a case where somebody is very kind. Yes, absolutely. Okay, thank you very much. I hope you have a wonderful um, rest of your weekend. You too. I'm about to turn on the air conditioner. I know. You, you can't do it when you're filming stuff. And I'm like, and I have bright lights coming down on me. <laughs> That's why I'm sitting there fanning with the mirror. I love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.